Hi guys and welcome back to the PE Podcast. Today's episode is going to focus entirely on the routes different athletes have taken into the world of elite and professional sport. We're going to hear from Karen Carney, Galag Yafai, Danielle Khan, Ali Jawad and Darren Carter. I hope you enjoy today's episode. I actually moved to Arsenal while I was still at university. So I was 18 when I left um, to play for Arsenal. So I was still living in Loughborough and training full time there. And only once a week, I just turned up for the game on a Sunday. So that was even more harder for me because I couldn't fit in with a team. I couldn't train with them. I literally just had to rock up on a Sunday and that was my only opportunity. So you're under big pressure then to perform, to play well, because if you don't, the manager doesn't see you for another week. Um, so you've got to make the most of it. So I did that for two years. And then in my third year then, when I left university, I was able to train with Arsenal. Um, and kind of, I just commuted then to London backwards and forth. So it's a different kind of uh, experience for sure. And probably one that people would be like, I wouldn't have expected that route to happen for her. But yeah, I was very much fault-holded to, to Loughborough till I was 21, really. So what made you want to get that degree? So you didn't know. Yeah, see, see, my story is a bit different because um, it's not like my brothers because they've literally come up from 14, 13 and boxed all the way till now. With me, it was I started boxing at, I think my first fight was 18. So it's quite old. So at, at that point, I'm already catching up. Um, so yeah, I was 18. But at that time as well, I've got to go to college. I've got to, you know, I've got to maybe get a job in a few years. Um, so I had my first fight at 18. I went to college. I was studying in college um, for two, three years. Um, when I got to 21, I needed a job. I left college. I wanted to get a job. So I found a job at, you know, in Land Rover, the factory, in you know, Solihull. I got a job there. Um, I worked there for, I think, two, three years. So I was 23, I think, when I left. And I remember telling my boxing coach, I was like, um, this is for my amateur club. I was like, I've my last year now, I'm going to give it this last push and then I'm going to just leave it. And he said to me, he said, um, this was a year before the Olympic Games. And he said to me, no, you can you can go to Olympic Games in, in Rio. And I thought, he's crazy. There's no chance I can go to Olympics in Rio next year and I'm still working in the factory. And I had no chance of being on the, the Great Britain team. And then I did well in championships my last year. Um, I got an assessment for Great Britain. Um, I did well in, in those. And then I think this was now November 2015. Um, but I had a few issues work uh, because I had to be up Sheffield full time, training with GB. But I was working uh, four or five nights a week. So, um, yeah, GB spoke with Land Rover. They kind of sorted it out. And then I started training at Sheffield. Um, and then, cut a long story short, I went to a qualifier and then qualified for the Olympics. And then I, I left work. And, yeah, I left work. And then that was it. The rest of history. And I just haven't been to work since. Uh, so I always was involved in um, the team sports, cricket, rounders, uh, netball. And being able to run quite fast, uh, short track speed skating is a very explosive sport. Um, and requires a lot of sprint-based training away from the ice rink. Um, so obviously I took a liking to those sports and enjoyed the team um, 
ethos of that but also I I did a lot of cross country for the school as well um and really enjoyed that uh, I swam when I was younger as well so I've, I've really had a taste of a lot of sports um and yeah really enjoyed doing everything uh, with Tudor Grange you know the PE lessons and extracurricular stuff as well. Awesome so is that something that you'd potentially um advise to some of our students because I know it's a obviously it's a, such a cultural thing but you speak to so many lads who are in GCSE P in Cambridge and what sport do you play? Football. Never try anything else. Yeah. Not interested in trying anything else. But I don't think they understand that so much of those sports carry over to different different things. So you could be good at football and that then um, as a result, you could be good at basketball, you could be good at rugby and you could find your opening in that. And I think when you hear, um, there's a few podcasts to listen to and they talk to elite athletes, they didn't just play one sport when they were younger. Um, there's somebody who's just signed for Birmingham City called George Friend and he was saying that Rugby was his sport when he was younger and he yes. sort of stumbled into football and then became a professional that way. And he just sort of, like you, you stumbled into cycling as a result yeah. of the injury and you've become an elite athlete now really in two sports. Um, yeah, no, I, I 100% agree there. Um, and I think the key is, especially while you're at younger ages, is just to get stuck into as much as you can and enjoy it. Um, don't specialise too early. I see that time and time again with young 14, 15, 16 year olds where they classify themselves as a, um, a sprinter, for instance. Um, and especially with something such as cycling, it's a late specialization sport, um, you know, getting stuck into a, you know, a range of different disciplines in cycling, don't just focus on one thing. Uh, but like you say, if you're a football player and you really enjoy that, why not do rugby? Why not do cross country? Um, and I really do think looking across not just cyclists, but athletes, um, gymnasts, all the elite athletes that are at the top of their game, um, they have skills. And I think it is skills and a, a, a level that has been built from doing so much variety when they were younger, yeah. especially at that grassroots age. And I think for me, um, I owe a lot to all my skating training. That's allowed me to develop into the rider I am today. It's put those foundations in, if you like, um, which obviously when I'm a kid, you're a bit naive to it. Uh, but now I, uh, I study um, sport fitness and coaching degree. Um, and obviously I've learned so much. I, I kind of look back and go, wow, that's, that's actually aided me into the right rider I am today. Awesome. That's, that's really good feedback because I think at the school that I teach at, we try and offer, because um, I've, I've taught at two or three schools and we offer such a wide range of sports. And I think some students go into it with um, a bit of a closed mindset that this isn't yeah. my sport. I'm not going to be very good at it. Let's get through this six weeks term and we can go back to football or rugby or cricket or basketball yeah. or whatever it is. But I think it's just giving it a go and enjoying sport as, as a general thing because... Um, I think as you sort of get older and older, there's more sports you wish you could play. Um, I know I watch rugby on TV all the time now. I think I wish I had that chance at school because as much as I enjoy watching it, I don't really understand it. There's so many roles and I just think, what to give in that for? What to give in this for? And I wish I could play now. Um, and it's the yeah. same with cricket. The cricket's on TV now and I never played cricket at school. Um, yeah. And then we've, we're playing a little bit at school recently with the staff um, and I'm awful at it because I never got to yeah. play at school. I never applied myself or took myself out to find a club or find a bit of training that I could have done quite easily. Um, and I never took the advantage of having those things available to me. No, I, I definitely agree. And even from my point of view, because I was 
short track speed skating is such an early specialization sport like gymnastics um I was very focused at a young age so even myself now sitting here I look back and sometimes think oh it would have been nice to have gone to that netball match or gone to that swimming gala or gone to that but I was so full-on with just focusing on my skating training which obviously I had to I had to give it the time it needed and the uh, commitment um but like you said if you've got the options available I would 100% recommend getting stuck into whatever you can um and enjoying it because you never know where it might lead to um and yeah sitting here I definitely have yeah I suppose a few regrets about not being able to do everything I wanted to do um at school so oh I think my Paralympic dream probably started when I was six years old um I watched Michael Johnson in the 96 Olympic Games um so he won his he won 200 and 400 meter Olympic gold um it's not been done since you know like probably the best performances you're you're ever going to get um and even though he was American I remember him being on top of the podium and um there was a contrast between how he competed because he was incredible, but on the podium, he literally burst into tears. Um, and for, for like a strange reason was, uh, I thought, well, I wanted to feel what he's feeling. Like how can somebody be so good and then just drop down crying their eyes out? And I, I felt like I needed to feel what he was feeling, uh, but I knew that I had no legs, so I couldn't run like him. Um, but I knew I wanted to get, to the Olympics back then it was the Olympics because um I didn't know there was a Paralympic Games at all so um I knew that I needed to find a sport that I was good at to get to that sort of level um so it was actually when I was 11 that I started uh judo um and I did judo at the top well a top age group level I'd say uh for about five years but I had to quit judo because uh we found out in 2004 that um at the Paralympic Games it's only open for blind and visually impaired not for amputees because obviously paralympic sport is classification you're put in a classification of a disability uh, and judo wasn't open to amputees at the time and it still isn't open to amputees so uh, it was hard for me because uh when i literally sacrificed my life for like four years as a kid thinking that i could make it uh, judo was my first love of sport so it was quite hard um so me coming from a an Arabic background uh, parents all about education rather than sport and uh, especially back then and uh, it was my GCSE year when I had to quit judo uh, so I focused on my GCSEs to get good grades um, and I was lucky enough to get into one of the top by the time I was the top college in the country um, with my grades which was lucky for me especially when I came from in Tottenham you don't you don't get into that sort of college um, so I knew I had some brains but I was literally depressed for about a year thinking my Paralympic dream was over. Like, what, what do I do? Like, yes, I've got the education side, but um, my dream was to always make the Paralympic Games. Um, so during my maths GCSE exam, uh, I think it was afterwards, my friend literally forced me to go to the gym across the road from the school. So I've never touched a barbell in my life. Like for judo training, it's only bodyweight stuff and like just grappling. Um, but I never actually touched weights before um so he, he literally forced me to go to the gym and uh on the first day that i was in the gym i lifted a 100 kilo bench press um and obviously the whole gym stopped stared at me and, and they're like who is this person now i thought i did something wrong i didn't know what i was doing i didn't even know like what a barbell was and uh 
this big guy comes up to me and said, uh, can you stay here for a minute? I said, go get somebody. Now, I generally thought I did something wrong. So I said to my friend, let's put the, thumb, let's put the weights away and get out of here. Uh, I don't know what I've done. And my friend's like, I don't know what you've done. Like, we always get into trouble. And it was kind of really, like, scared. Um, so we literally tried to get out of the reception and I got stopped by this old man. And uh, he goes to me, uh, do you know what you've done? And I was like, no, please don't hurt me. I'm going to go home. Um, he said, uh, well, you just bench press 100 kilo. And uh, looking at you, well, he said, looking at you, you're probably about, what, 15, 16? Um, and looking at your body weight, he said, you're probably, what, lightweight, middle up, middle weight? And I said, well, I don't know what I weigh. I've never weighed myself, really, the last year or so. He goes, look, you, you need to come back. Um, he said, I used to coach the national team at the Paralympic Games. And I've never seen anything like this, not not your age. Um, so that was my second chance. Um, and, and yeah, here we are now, 15 years later. Um, when I was at football and I was fully focused and engaged in that. Um, but uh, as you say, it was, it was putting sort of getting a schedule together that allowed me to, to obviously, one, get my rest from football, but um, gave me the time then to, to study, um, to revise and, and do everything I needed to for school. Um, so my parents were, were, were great in that aspect. Um, but again, I think just sort of, you know, balancing me out and, and making me realise that, um, Listen, this dream of being a footballer, um, yes, work as extremely hard as you possibly can to, to fulfil that. But, um, you know, I've been told through playing at Birmingham City and sort of been given the um, the ratios of, of kids who have gone on to, to play and, and, and you know, um, playing the professional game um, are very low. So um, it was always made aware to me that, listen, you need to, to really focus at school and uh, make sure you do well in your exams because, you know, this football uh, dream ultimately, um, you know, might not happen, you know, and there's other things that can play into that injury. Um, you know, sometimes you can um, be unfortunate in that capacity or, um, you know, you, you get to a level and, you know, you may not progress how you want to. So, um, so yeah, I was always told that, um, you know, to, to have a backup, basically. So school and, and my exams were always going to give me that platform if football never never materialised. That's really interesting. And um, I want to build on that again a little bit more in terms of a lot of our students aren't in academy football. And I think they dream to get to academy football because they think it's this golden place where you play football all the time and you arrange your friends and you, you have little possession games and you go into matches. But it's obviously much more than that. And it is a very stressful environment and there's a lot of pressure. And um, it's not just the pressure, I think, of the of the individual, maybe it's family pressure and they're hoping that one day you become a professional footballer and you almost take that sort of financial burden. They think, well, my son's made it or my daughter's made it. We can yeah. relax now. What's that pressure like in an academy? Because I know it's not this golden place where you just go for a kickabout with your mates. There's a lot of um, pressure from coaches, analysts, family, mm -hmm. friends. How did you deal with that? And what's, how does that pressure um, sort of form itself? I think um, it's... You put more pressure on yourself, I think. Um, you know, uh, I think when you go into academies, everything is is provided for you, and and the standard of coaching, the facilities. Um, so it's all there to help you uh, ultimately. Um, I think it's it's important not to put too much pressure on yourself and, and just trusting, you know, what you're doing, um, trusting the process, and um, you know, not forgetting what's got you to that point. Um, if you are fortunate enough to get into an, an academy, you've obviously done. You know something right before then you've worked extremely hard and um so i think you know for me 
again, I, I, I found it's, um, you know, family and friends were, were so encouraging and, um, and supported me so much. Even my friends at school, um, as soon as they knew I was, I was signed to Birmingham city, you know, they, you know, seen me as this, you know, professional already. Um, so that gave me an extra bit of confidence that, you know, I wanted to, um, to succeed and, um, and to go on in the game. So, um, I think, you know, with football, we all know that, you know, even at the highest level now, you know, there's a lot of pressure from fans, from, from everything, from managers, but um, you're always best, you know, going back to what has got you there or has got you success. Um, and ultimately they're, you know, they're, they're, you know, non-negotiables for me, you know, hard work, your attitude, um, your sacrifices as well. That's a big thing, I think, for me, you know, coming through school and, and then ultimately leaving was the sacrifices I made, maybe not, you know, going out with my mates um, or, um, you know, going to a, a house party or something like that. You know, I'd, I'd stay at home and prepare and, and rest and, and eat right, drink right, knowing that that was going to give me the best possible chance. So, um, yeah, trusting, trusting the, the things, the fundamentals that, you know, ultimately are going to get you success. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Next week's episode will focus entirely on the hidden lives behind athletes that we might not see as spectators or fans of clubs and individuals that we don't know about, but they have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And to understand that there's more to an athlete than what you see on television, in the newspapers and on social media. I'll see you again here next Saturday for the next episode.